how many goals will Jamie Ben have by the time the puck drops against Chicago? Um, I'm going to say one. Interesting. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that half predicted Jamie Ben would have one goal at this point with about a week to spare, and the other half is me. It's time to do a little bit of stargazing. Um, Mark, uh, anything to say as we kick off tonight? Aren't aren't we the best of friends? (laughs) (laughs) Of course we are. Of course we are. Um, Did, Did I not just put Jamie Ben on hat trick watch? I mean, you put him on a heater is what she did. And I think we were, we were talking in the Slack. We got to pick, maybe we'll run a, sur- a survey with our next episode. We got to figure which which Dallas star do we want Mark to supercharge next? Oh, I, well, I, I think that's a no-brainer. I mean, it's Miro. So yeah. uh, that was a suggestion and I don't see, otherwise I'm going to do something stupid like say Joel Kivaranta or some, someone like that. And, and, and then people will go nuts. You've got to use your powers for good and not evil, I think, is the um, is the way to go. So, yeah, just just to, to put into context, right, we and we'll, we're going to talk about, you know, tonight's game. We're recording on Thursday after the victory over the Florida Panthers. We're going to talk about Jamie Benn, the way that Dallas is winning. We're going to talk about penalty trouble. I'm going to go on a rant. Mark and I are going to get into a fight. It's going to be fantastic. But before we do that. So the last time we recorded a podcast, for those that don't follow the show religiously, was October 28th. And at the time, Jamie Benn was sitting on one goal for the – sorry, he had not scored yet um, on the season. And, and as part of our wild end of episode predictions, I asked Mark, you know, give me something crazy. And we talked about Jamie Benn. And, and the prediction at that point was Jamie would have one goal by Thanksgiving. And Of course, this was on October 28th. Since that prediction was made, Jamie has – six goals and uh, just on top of that so again coming into that prediction jamie had three points on a trio of assists three points that's it that's all um and now now oh now jamie ben is up to 15 points in 16 games so almost a point a game so mark's mark apparently wound up on the bulletin board in the dallas stars locker room and has triggered a a beast mode explosion the likes of which we have seldom seen in starsdom and i just want to say thank you for the amusement and for the performance because this is clearly down to your influence Well, you know, I did say some really nice things about how Jamie was going to contribute and, and that line was going to use him to uh, to, to kind of pull in uh, Wyatt Johnston and Ty Delandria. And, and I will point out that we did see that coming to fruition with the empty net goal tonight. Yeah, oh, yeah, the the tied the Landriest goal of all time. The way that, that one, uh, there were about three times when I thought that puck was going to find a way to bounce out. The way that Ty's season has been going in terms of goal scoring, but yeah, Ty had a golden assist tonight. Johnston had a had I think just one assist, or did he manage to get go into the score sheet? Yeah, he just had the one assist tonight. But just yeah, the one assist. But he had, he had that sweet little little uh, you know pass feed to Delandria that Delandria planted in Bobrovsky's yep. pads, and uh, you know so it's. Good stuff from that line. That's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and then we'll we'll go ahead and segue to the to the good of it. So, talking about the stars. So, as as we sit here right now, uh, Dallas is atop the Western Conference. They've got uh, twenty two points. They are 
they do have some extra attempts in the uh, sorry apologies in their division they are third in the conference behind the kings and the golden knights but um dallas is atop the central they've got games in hand on everybody at this point dallas has played 17 uh winnipeg has played 14 colorado 15 the wild 16 but they're accruing points at a, a healthy clip, a, an encouraging clip. Things are going very well, and I think part of it is what you've talked about. Um, Jamie is producing now, right? He's almost a point-of-game player. He and Delandria and um, and Johnston have been a very effective unit, especially since since you yelled at them, which is which is awesome. <laughs> and then you know we had as well uh, another two-point night uh, from Tyler Sagan tonight. He had a goal and an assist, which puts him at. You know, for his part, he's at 11 points in 16 games on the season. So he's not quite where Jamie is, but he's he is contributing. And, and you know, on top of that, I think Jason Robertson was third in the league in um, in points coming into tonight. Yeah, he's sitting at 25 points in 16 games. And oh, by the way, he scored in his 10th consecutive game tonight to set a personal best. Rupe had another pair of goals. He's at 20 points, a paltry 20 points. In 16 games. So so right now, right, in terms of the forwards, it's sort of our best case scenario. You've got the first line doing everything that the first line normally does. And we're getting secondary scoring throughout the rest of the lineup, which is you know, this this team is a handful heading forward right now. And you just love to see it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, one, one point of clarification, I think you said Ben, you asked me how many goals Ben would have. And I believe Jordy does have one. <laughs> So I'm not, I'm not out of this yet. You're not out of it yet. And, and it, was we'll sweet, it was a sweet goal. Oh, technically <laughs> yeah, correct I mean, the, is the best kind of correct. Yes. <laughs> the, the the team is hitting on all cylinders offensively. And, you know, the, the shocking thing, I think, tonight, what, we kept Joe Pavelski off the score sheet. And that's uh, that's kind of hard to do with as many pucks that went in the net. Now, we how have Glenn Denning on the How is he going to face his line mates after tonight? Yeah, it's like I, Pavelski and Kibi Ronta, I think, were the only one that was out of point. Glenn Denning had an assist. Fox had an assist. How can you lose that way? I mean, it's it's very difficult. But but yet, and we'll go ahead and use this use this as our pivot, right? And yet, they turned a a kind of breezy five to one lead into a you know six to four with an empty net or victory where they had you know they they had to get out of of some late trouble so yes the offense is rolling and yes dallas is is doing very well they've got a plus 19 goal differential they're six three and one in their last 10 but it's not it's not like they're just perfect there are some flaws here and there are some flaws here that that might end up coming back to really haunt this team if they can't get them fixed yeah, and, and here you know, I'll throw in one bit more of, of the good news side. Uh, they're in first place in, in the central, and they've played a majority of their games on the road. Yeah, so they're 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 racking up these points in tough environments. But but going back to what you said, I, what we saw tonight, I think, was maybe the first time that we've seen the team go full turtle, and and that was a little weird. I I might kind of toss it up there to it being the end of a. a you know, it, it was a three-game road trip. It's really seven straight games in a different building every time. Yeah, and I, I think they're just they're they they are maybe mentally uh, ready for a home stand. I think so, there's that, and I think as well, like score effects are a thing, right? You score four goals in the first period, and then your goalie gets hurt under some pretty troubling yeah. circumstances. So I I don't disagree that, that this was 
you know, there there is something to be said for finishing, you know, kind of staggering through the end of a trip. And hey, they they got the dub and they got it in regulation. So, you know, there's only so much we can really complain about it. Yeah, but you know, the penalties, um, the the power play wasn't really sharp tonight. Uh, the penalty kill was also not really sharp. Um, the way they gave up that that fourth goal to to Florida was was really uh you know keystone cops um yeah. you know, how do you let chuck come in wide open like that um and, and leave Ottinger out to dry so yeah you know but you know this is we're so used to now this team keeping the foot on the gas and it was kind of odd to see him going into the shell and and, and it kind of shows you that yeah, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose fighting and going forward. Yeah. Because that was uncomfortable tonight, and and you didn't think it was going to be uncomfortable. Even you know, yeah, there's momentum changes, but even you know, once you get to the 10 minute mark in the third, yeah, and, and they seem to have it kind of locked down a bit. You 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 think you can take a breath, and no, you can't. If you're turtling, you're you're in trouble. And and yeah. this team can't lock it down like like a team under bonus. So, uh, tur it, it's not it's not just turtling; it's bad turtling. Yeah, and I mean, I, I would argue that they were never turtling was has never been good. They've just been better at it. It's not the, right. The fact, it's one of those like judge the process, not the outcome. And, and anybody that works for me is going to be cringing because I say that all the time. But just because and it's I'll, I'll use the penalties to make a point of this. Right. So Dallas, on the whole, on the balance of the season is currently third in the league. They've got an 85 percent, 84.9, but 85 percent rate on the penalty kill. So, so far, the penalties they give up haven't murdered them in the sense of, you know, necessarily I mean, tonight. It was two of two of the Panthers goals were on the power play. So it it hurt them tangibly. But it's also like the minutes that they spend shorthanded are minutes that you don't have the, you know, the hence line out on the ice. It's, it's minutes that you don't get to play, you know, it's, it's soaking up pressure. It's scrambling. It's all. So it's one of those situations where you, you, they were, you know, and, and talking, getting, you know, looping in the turtle to this as well, just because they survived it, right. Just because Dallas has a great penalty kill right now, just because they're able to hold on just because they've turtled in years past, doesn't mean it's a good thing for them to be doing that, right? It'd still be great to have, the penalty kill probably wouldn't get much worse if it was half as active, right? And it's the sort of thing that worries me in the long term. Even you know, it's it's the sort of thing that worries me in a playoff series in particular. And it's way too early to start talking about that, but I'm gonna do it anyways because you know one of the the quirks about hockey is you know during the regular season you can't really game plan around a specific team. You're traveling too much. You're adjusting on the fly. And, and yeah, there's you know for divisional opponents there's there's some stuff you can customize. But when you have a pronounced flaw like that, you know the inability to stay out of the box. Think about the bubble playoff run, right? That eventually that that did him in against Tampa Bay, right? Is once you have an opponent that has the time to kind of game plan against you, if you've got a flaw like that, they're going to ring your bell. And and it's just one of those things where, yeah, it's it's wonderful. Let's celebrate how good the kill is, but also let's do it less, please. Right, right. And what it also does is it means that Miro Haskinen's minutes are going to be extended and they're going to be in, extended in ways where that it's not really productive for him. I mean, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he is a great defender, 
but what you want him concentrating on is is mulling the puck up the ice and 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 creating offense and setting up setting up people so that they're they're playing defense by being in the offensive zone. And the thing that concerns me about any of this would be that and, and we saw this when the when the offense went into a bit of a slump there earlier in the season. You you start worrying about the team dropping into old habits. Yep. And when you're implementing a new system like this, um, any any time you drop into an old habit, you have to kind of force yourself back out of it, saying that's not the way we're playing this year. And and so that's why you kind of cross your fingers and say, yeah, well, this is maybe a reminder that that, yeah, we used to turtle and it doesn't work. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, this this team doesn't have that's it's not that team anymore. This isn't a this isn't a lock it down. Don't give them a sniff squad. And it's it, that's OK. Right. Because the flip side of that is there's there's scoring, there's fluidity. This team can can play defense by keeping the puck away and keeping it in the back of the other team's net. And that's probably better. It's it's more sustainable. Right. Because for a lot of different reasons. Right. But yeah, it's 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 something they're going to need to clean up. It, it, it really you know, it's it's not it's it's I feel like I'm talking to one of my kids. It's not cute anymore. <laughs> exactly and speaking of not not cute you uh you were going to come to the defense of 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 uh, uh not mason mason marchman no. but uh but but who 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 picked a fight with mason marchman marchman in the end and and you it's kachak yeah it's a pet peeve it, and i'm glad this is a segue because part of it is you know, and and we've seen it in the offense. They're a little bit looser with the puck, the penalty trouble, um, you know, coughing up leads. Like there have been, it seems like some composure issues with the team. And a microcosm of that is I, I just think, and they won the game and it was fine and, and he's he's played well. So this is hardly me. Um, this is hardly me putting Marchment on washed watch or anything like that. But like the sequence with the fight with Kachuk at the end of the game was just a catastrophically stupid thing. For a hockey player, his team is up a goal. They've already had to switch their goaltenders midstream. And yes, Ottinger is a fantastic goaltender, but it is a different challenge coming into a game than starting one, right? So his team is at that stage, right, somewhat clinging to a one-goal lead. They draw a penalty that gives them the opportunity to kill off most of the game. One of the, you know, the the you know one of the children, one of the names of one of one of hockey's foremost family of pests, right, comes up. For this specific purpose to goad Marchment into doing something stupid and canceling the power play, right? That's the only reason he wasn't Kachuk wasn't standing up for anybody. He was his entire purpose was my team just made a mistake. Maybe I can con one of these idiots into making a mistake too. And guess what? Marchment said, I will make a mistake. I will do something stupid. And it just it it was one of those throw your remote at the TV moments where no, it didn't hurt them tonight. Right. They scored the empty netter. They won the game. They wrapped up their road trip. All is well, you know, all is well in Whoville. But but it was just just stupid play and it never should have happened. And Marchment needs to have the sense to skate away. And and that's that's my that's my rant. Uh, and, and I appreciate your rant. And sometimes you just can't skate away. Oh, and you can always skate away. <laughs> oh, you cannot always skate it away. If, if he was put in a situation where he was either going to take the first hit or he was going to deliver the first hit, and and he chose to deliver the first hit, and yeah, maybe that's which, stupid. Which is, I don't know. I don't take know. Take the first I, hit and then 
Kachuk has the instigator and then light the kid up. Oh, yeah, and then the refs find a way to even it up, anyways. That, 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 that was that was that was a that was a pretty pretty weak call. I, I, I would say. I, I think I think Marchment Marchment wasn't all that interested in that fight. You could kind of see it in the way that he took it, and and he got and Chuck got bailed out by the refs. And he did. Uh, yeah, but it's it's the I, classic case of like you know the old the old adage of like nothing good happens happens at 3 a.m. in the morning, right? Like nothing good happens wading into a scrum late in the third period of a one goal hockey game, right? Especially like, you know, NHL, right? NHL referees love to even stuff up, right? They're, they are, they are afraid of the perception that they have influenced the game. And so with a penalty, it's just in that game situation with a penalty against the team that's losing pending, you just have to not, you just have to not, <laughs> you can't give the referee an excuse to do something stupid. Oh, I don't know. It's so hard. It's just it's you so just take a number, and Florida, yeah. I think, comes to Dallas at some point later this season. Or you'll, you'll you will play him again eventually. Punch him in the face. Then take a receipt. He will. He's a kachuk. He will deserve well, it six anyway. as much as he deserves it now. <laughs> you're gonna have to do that anyways. It, it's you know, it's it's almost in my mind like some guys can get away with that. There 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 are some guys who can kind of punk you and and kind of act like they're gonna drop the drop the gloves and. And, and, and then skate away and laugh at you on the way out and wave at you as you go to the penalty box. And that's not Mason Marchment. <laughs> no, it's not. Which is probably why Kachuk I, picked him instead well, of some yeah, of the other people. Well, plus, plus Kachuk was the one who had his stick uh, yep. slashed, uh, moderately slashed out of he his had, head, shall I say. He um, had every reason to feel aggrieved and he had every reason to want to, put, to punch Kachuk. I'm not, I am in no way saying that he wasn't just in his actions. All I'm saying is that maybe skate away singing the word scoreboard over and over and over again and then score yeah. on the power play. You know what I mean? Like score on the power play, do a two knee power slide right by the penalty box and then fight the kid. So, so pretty much what you're saying is you want Mason Markman not to be Mason Markman in that situation. <laughs> I, I just want him to be a slightly <laughs> better version. I want him to, to be a different, like, wait till he's out of the penalty box and punch him then. I don't know. Just don't do in, it. <laughs> in his old, in his old house. That's his building. Those are, he's got his people there. There are guys in Marchment. Marchment uh, sweaters in the stands who are going to slink out of the building if he doesn't take that fight. Uh, <laughs> He's got a brand. He's got to stick with it. Come on, get with the program. I just think it was stupid, and I'm not going to bend on that. It was a dumb thing for him to do at a dumb time. It was time. a dumb thing and entirely predictable. <laughs> That's I, you know what I think we found an agreement. You're you're exactly. I'm not I'm not saying I'm surprised that it happened, and I'm not saying that it wasn't justified. So it was just dumb. It was just dumb. Yeah, yeah. It's like Kachuk was smart enough to go after a guy who was gonna do what he did. Yeah, yep. It was, but yep. hey, they got. But hey, the- it, was, it was five on five. That way, we got Delandria score in his second. Uh, we got we got Glenn Denning his second assist. All sorts of good stuff came from this. Yeah, it it you know, Hens's goals were both beauties, and and Fox, uh, Sagan got himself. Uh, got it back on the scoreboard. Essa Lindell, by the way, apparently offensive maestro is uh, he is up. He got an assist tonight. Yeah. He had his four goal or sorry, his four point night a little bit earlier. He's up to seven points in 16 games. 
Now, did I not say back at the beginning of the season that I remember watching Essa Lindell back at back in Cedar Park, and before he got under the influence of of all these defensive minded coaches, he was viewed kind of as a offensive defensive. You know, you and, did, and and it's and, fair. And I will, I'm going to give you say, those flowers because we've certainly ripped on you enough <laughs> for the uh, the Jamie Ben hot type. Yeah, you did, and it's no, it's no, funny, no. Jordy Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben, sorry, Jordy Ben. That's my fault. That's my confusion. Yes. But you know, you you're right. And the other thing is, he's also the guy. Like, how many times have we heard the announcers kind of play up the? Oh, he's got a great wrist shot. He's got a sneaky. You know, there's it's it's there's always been this like strange like rave subculture of Esselindel could actually score if the situation was a little bit different. Now, what what we ultimately come down to is that. The thing that Essa Lindell, Lindell cannot do is mule the puck out of the zone. No. He and, is the master of the knee-high, off-the-glass outlet pass. Well, and that's probably good because when he does try and try and skate it out on his own, uh, it usually goes back the other way. So, it's a, 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 again, I, 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 I like Lindell's game a whole lot more than most other people that we talk to on a regular basis. I, I will grant that's the one thing that I shudder about. He needs to find his other D and let him carry it out. I, I mean, I will say that I have, I have, and it, it wasn't just this season without Klingberg, but over the last season and a half, I've, I feel like I have had a greater appreciation. I, I've been able to separate more the things that Lindell doesn't necessarily do well from the things that he does. And, you know, I don't know that, I will ever, to some degree, not blame him for, you know, not blame the stars for kind of equating him with Klingberg in a way. Like the contract thing was still messy. And, you know, I, I don't know that I'll ever just be like a S. Lindell super fan, but I, I, I'm getting out of the zone where I'm mad at him all the time. Well, it's, uh, yeah, the contract is, and, and we have a long history here at, at Defending Big D of, of liking the player but not liking the contract and and I think Lindell falls into that you know if that if that was a three and a half million dollar contract I think we'd have a whole lot more Lindell yeah. fans I, I like where we're at yeah yeah <laughs> yeah do we like where we're at with Colin Miller uh getting getting a healthy scratch I mean I I I have and this is this is going to be mean because I'm sure he's a nice fellow but I have issues with Joel Hanley I just, I just, every time he plays, I look at him and I think, what was the point of nine minutes and 18 seconds of Joel Hanley tonight? Like, why did we need that? Well, because he was a plus one on the score sheet. I just, but like, and that, that, was, that was the difference of the game. I just feel like that's not time that is well spent. <laughs> well, uh, understood. But you know, cut, cut the guy some slack. He, he, he's there on a, on a $750,000 yeah. contract and, and he can play one game every three weeks and he can come in and be not noticeable. Yeah. He's, he's completely, that, you're, you're that 100% be, right. That, that, that is the ideal seventh defender. And, and every once in a while you kind of have to bite the bullet and give him a little game action or else he's not going to be able to, you know, if you, if you keep him on in the press box for three months, who knows what's going to happen. What are you going to do? With those nine minutes and 18 seconds. Well, <laughs> You you may lose. Um, you may you might you might you might notice you might notice him, and that's you know, you know that's Hanley's what we don't want. He he is the uh, 
what is it from uh, from Parks and Recreation? He's just sitting there in the defensive zone going, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Yeah, and, and you know, every once in a while, Hanley, you know, at least once a game, there's something that Hanley does where he takes away a takes away a two-on-one. Yeah. He, he does an amazing thing once a game. You're right. I mean, like I said, none of this is, it, I'm not, I'm not mad at the player. It's just one of those like situational things where it, it's one of those, like, you, there's nothing better you could do with not, it's, it's somebody pouring a nice glass of scotch and then adding Coke to it. And it's like, why there's, you just use some bull. I don't know. Do use something that's not, that's, 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 that's my, that's my, my Joel Hanley analogy is Joel Hanley is a, a Jack and Coke, but instead of Jack, you're using like a, a, 18 year old scotch <laughs> it's just like yeah it probably tastes really good it probably tastes better than a jack and coke you're a lunatic please don't do that yeah and, and whatever you do don't tell me that you're doing it no no never <laughs> do that i it's just my my fear in life isn't isn't my kids getting into the the liquor my fear is the kids getting into the liquor and then mixing the nice stuff i, I just yeah. if they're gonna do it just do it right if you're going to play a defenseman, play him 15 minutes, like nine minutes. What are we even doing here? Yeah, well, you're you're getting a little game action and making sure he's ready. And Colin Miller comes back, and uh, and we're we're there. Yeah, that, yes. that, that, and that kind of brings me. I one thing that amazes me about this team. We this team for the last couple of years has been able to play fairly injury free. Yeah, They've, except yeah, I mean, for the goaltending. Except for their goaltending, yeah, and Tyler, and, and Tyler Sagan's body, all of it. Yeah, but even there, you know, with with Sagan, he's he's gone for the year, so you kind of plan for it. Yeah, you yeah, know, I guess you're right. It was just the one catastrophic injury that took him like two and a half years to recover. It's not like he's been consistently hurt. He just he just got he just got broken. <laughs> it took a yeah. little while to to get past that. Yeah, it, it, yeah and it's almost like. Well, there may have been a forward year since then, but we had that one year where the where where we went what fifteen deep on the defensive end, yeah. and everybody got hurt. And ever since then, it's kind of been you know you get an injury here, you get an injury there, but for the most part, you got the same lineup every every time. Yeah, I think Miro's missed what three games this season, and that's it. Three games and uh, Gurianov. Yeah, um, and really, that's the, the opposite that's of about so it. we. We we put Ben on blast and he goes on a heater. We start praising Gurianov and he gets hurt. So such is the power of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, and uh, now now we need to make sure that we get uh, we get Mate Blumel scoring on all these opportunities. Oh he man, he could have had another one tonight, couldn't he? Yeah, and, and I think he had it, but he took too long to get there, and the defender got back on him. I think but, you're right. yeah, so, so some of this he's, he's learning speed. And, and, he's learning. Yeah, what what has been your impression of his first three games in the NHL? I I mean he's he's a volume shooter, and and that's something that we really haven't seen since early Tyler Sagan on this team, and and it's it's sorely missed. I I kind of wish I kind of wish we bumped Delandria back up to Sagan and Marchment and and put put Blumel on with with Johnston and Ben. I think his game fits a little better there, and and Johnston and Blumel, I think together would be dynamite. Yeah, ooh, that'd be fun. And with 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 Grandpa Ben keeping keeping the kids under control, taking everybody to 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 Dairy Queen afterwards for a freeze. Do, do you notice Jay, Jamie kind of he's pretty protective of those guys? 
Yeah. You know, Delandria got got a little into a little confrontation in the corner there in the second period, I think it was. And and Ben just comes in like a bull in a china shop and say, Oh, that's my boy. Yeah, Papa, Don't Papa, touch him. Papa Bear has always kept an eye on his on his crew. He's he's that that is one aspect of captaining that he has always, I think, been. You're right. He is the he's all when he's on the ice and, and a fracas starts, Jamie Ben always joins the party. Yeah, yeah. But here here I think he 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 owns this. This is this is his line, and these are his yep. kids, and he's raising them right. I like that idea. Oh man, I'm gonna throw another. I'm gonna throw another line combination at you because this is just. Uh, I want you to try this on this. This wouldn't be everyday wear, right? This this would mm-hmm. be special occasions. But I, I'm thinking about Hintz's first goal and that little toe drag pass from Tyler Sagan. And, and yes, you don't ever want to dink with the first line because they're the best line in hockey. But as an option, do we think that we might be at a point? in Sagan's recovery where every now and then flashing him with, with hints might, if you, if you had to, if you had to shuffle the line, if you wanted to spark something, if you just, if you needed to, to change a match up on the road, am I crazy in thinking that, that might be a viable option? I would think so. Uh, I mean, granted Sagan's... part of it is that hints is just amazing, right? <laughs> true. True. But, but I, I mean, there's, there's just a bunch of things that, you know, Sagan is doing now that he didn't used to do, and I think he, his game's matured, maybe mm. because it had to. But yeah. th- there, there was actually an interesting piece going going around by a guy I follow named Chase Chance McCallum. Is it Chance Chase Chase McCallum? It just was out today, and and he was saying that you judge the quality of a line by the quality of the second best forward on that line. And and it's it's pretty pretty heavily statistically uh, done, so it's it's maybe not for the faint of heart to read, but that's one thing that kind of strikes me about whatever whatever you know, the the supernova two line that we have there. It's almost like the third best guy on that line could be the best and have a have a good second line mate on another line. Yeah. And and perhaps be more productive. And and I hate to say this with as as deep as this team has shown to be, but you know if if, if things do start going south, I think there are some match matchups that we could utilize like that. That uh, even if it's within a game where you want to shake things up, could work. Yeah, it, it just yeah, I, I, it's it seems like Sagan, contemporary Sagan plays well with guys that are direct and guys that have speed and like that again it's you know it's, i think it's part of why he's having and, and marchman isn't the same type of player exactly as as hence but there's there's something to be said for like sagan has he kind of he's gotten to the point where he can he's patient with the puck he's got the skill you know he doesn't necessarily have the the speed that he wants he's not necessarily blowing anybody's doors off but he can control the puck in space. He can find ways to create passing. He can create that extra moment that allows a guy like Hintz to get the step that he needs to get a. You know what I mean? So I just, I just, I felt I when I saw that goal, a part of me was just like, well, this could happen again. And it, yeah. it seems like it's something you know. Hopefully, Pete DeBoer is is filing that one away in the the will try later bucket. Right. Exactly. And, and the nice thing about Sagan is that you know with with his game. You you still have to respect the fact that he could just snipe one on you, mm-hmm. and so you can't cheat off Tyler Sagan. No, and, and that's nice to have because that'll keep the goaltender just that one more split second from rotating over and and leave a mighty nice wide open net. And and I think in past you know the in past versions of the Dallas Stars right you could never break up the big line, 
because to your point, there wasn't the secondary talent, right? You weren't the guy that you were putting, you know, when you moved, when you move Spets off the top unit, right? Who was he playing with? And this, you know, and we're, we're a pretty healthy chunk into the season, you know, 16 games is not nothing. And, and so you, we're at the point where we're starting to see like, there are some guys you know, Mason Marchment and, and potentially Wyatt Johnson and the way that Ben is playing and the way that Sagan is, is playing at the moment. Like there are some guys, Delandria, for example, like that this this might be a team that again, you you never want to go away from something as strong as as the hence line, you know, permanently. I'm not I'm not advocating, you know, dismantling your 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 top unit, but to your point, as a game situation, as a as a change of pace, like it's it's I think it's an a viable option this year in a way that it hasn't been in previous. Yeah, and I mean, you, you end up with these individual matchups where you know if you run into a into a team with a really strong shutdown line, but not mm-hmm. much else to go with it, and, and and you're on the road and they're just matching up ideally with with, with that uh, Robertson Hints and and Pavelski line, you roll something out a little different and uh, and make them adjust to you. Yeah, that's and, the name of the game. Yeah, well, the thing I like about that and having these options, you know, regular season is one of these things where you kind of pick your program and you run with it, and, mm-hmm. and you either make or break it based on on your skill level and what you, that, you don't have time what that scheme adjust, is. Right? Yeah, you, you don't you don't you don't micromanage game situations because nobody would ever know what they were doing. By the time you make it to the playoffs, that's where you get these this flexibility where you can where you can manage against the team, and that's. We, we said the last couple of years, you know, ah, this is a team made for playoffs. And, and we kind of said, yeah, they were big and heavy. I think you, you start talking about a team that's built for the playoffs. That's a team that doesn't have a whole lot of noticeable weaknesses that can yep. be exploited, but has the flexibility to change to exploit weaknesses on other teams. Or to, yeah, ch- I think change to exploit weaknesses, also change to negate strengths, right? To your point. Correct. If you're in the playoffs... And you got that shutdown line. You're gonna you're gonna try and man straight up the, the your shutdown line against you know against the Pavelski and Sons group. Well, if you're Dallas, your options in that situation are to either double down and hope that they fight through it, or move them apart. If if you have two lines instead of one, then all of a sudden that that nifty shutdown unit you have isn't particularly useful. And in previous seasons, Dallas didn't have the ability to do that, but. To your now they might, and that's that's going to pay you know that's going to pay dividends later I think. Yeah, and, and right now I think what they're showing is that they have it without splitting up that top line, and yeah. so you have a top line that's Even still better. delivering over forty percent of the goals for the team, and and everybody else is contributing. I think you're right. Uh, I had one other question that I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you because this is something we were joking in the in the DVD Slack ahead of the game talking about who else we wanted to call it and put on a heater and, and Taylor chimed in and mentioned Miro Haskin and, and, and if you have his numbers in front, tell me, but what, what, uh, in terms of offensive production, where is Miro right now? I know. I don't know the exact numbers. I, you know, he's looked very good. And, and yeah. especially, you know, the, 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 what surprised me with Miro this year is just how effective he's been on running that number one power play unit. You know, and, and here I don't know that I can place this all on Miro. The schemes that we're running that allow us to enter the zone are are so much superior than what we're doing. And that, you know, both units are getting set up. But once Miro's there, he makes wise decisions. He times his passes well. He hits he hits the tape on sticks and that's why this unit can be so crisp with their passing and why they've been so successful. And I think Miro, I, I, I think this is only going 
going to get better. I'm, I'm fully expecting Miro to be in the Norris conversation specifically because his offensive numbers are, are going to be pretty darn good. Yeah. And, and then you just can't, you know, at a certain point, you just have to say, and he is so much better defensively than anybody else in that conversation. Yeah. And I, and I, I won't leave you in suspense. So after tonight, he did, he actually didn't have any points tonight. The, the slacker, yeah. he has two goals and 10 assists for 12 points in 13 games. So for all of our talk in the off season about how Dallas needed Miro to take a step forward offensively and to be a difference maker and, and the, the transformative effect that would have on the team, he's, he's playing at a point of game pace as a defenseman while doing all of the defensive stuff you talked about um, and extending that he's got a goal and five assists on the power play. So he's got six power play points. Um, so, you know, we, we talked at the start of the season about how with, with some of the changeover on this roster and needing more offense and, Oh, what, what it would be like to have him unshackled. Guess what? Right. Dallas has a point to game defenseman who is chipping in on the power play consistently. And it is, it it's foundational to this team being what it is. Yep. And, and I will just throw one last thing out there and wow. Nils Lundqvist. That, that, that first, that, that was a way to score your first goal for Dallas. Yeah, it was. And it was, it was a great play by him. Uh, A part of me is going to cringe and Bobrovsky made himself as small as he could possibly. It's one of those situations where, it's it is a cringeworthy goal if you're a Florida Panther, but to have the presence of mind, sorry, to control the puck all the way around the offensive zone, and then to have the presence of mind to realize the goalie was doing something foolish and take advantage of it, yeah, it was it was a beauty. It really was. No, and I'll, Lundqvist, I'll, I think, has been that. he's been a he, really good pickup for Dallas. Yeah, he. I I think maybe New York is regretting not finding a way to keep him around. Because they, you know, he, he's been blocked, sure, in New York, but I think he's demonstrated this year for Dallas that uh, that he's a regular NHLer, and yeah. and a player like that, that young, uh, is is somebody you have to find a way to keep on your team. Yeah, I mean, he he stepped that, that just also putting it in context, right? So as, as a 22 year old defenseman, he changed teams relatively late in the off season, and. You know, yeah, four, four assists or one goal and four assists, right? So I guess five points um, so far this season. That's not he's not blown any blown any doors off, but like the challenge of having to change organizations late in the off season as a young player, young defensive player in particular, and it's not like he was the only guy stepping. You know, it wasn't like Dallas had one slot in the defensive group and just plugged him into it, and it was otherwise. Like, he entered a situation of change and of churn as a young defenseman changing organizations, right. And has looked comfortable from day one. And that's been desperately Dallas desperately needed a little bit of defensive stability. And he's been able to step in and do that. And it's been, it's been fantastic. Yeah. And, and I mean, literally Dallas had zero slots for him. I mean, that slot was, was Thomas Harley's to take and, and, and Lundqvist just came in and, and within a, within a couple of days, there wasn't really talk about uh, about whether Lundqvist was going to be there. Yeah, he's been a good pickup. He's yep. been and, and 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 we talked about this I think in previous podcasts, right? It, it, credit to to Jim Nell for going out and it's not just that he found a guy, right? It's that he found a critical guy, right? It's it's so hard 
you know, to to what's the what's the Friedman line, right? When when teams know you need something, they don't throw life preservers, they throw anvils. And and to have to go out into the market and find a player to play an important role, a player that you didn't necessarily have time to bring around slowly, just to find a guy and hope for the best. Like, hey, that that was a that was a good one. That was a good trade. He's a good player. Dallas is better for having him. Yep. And then no more talk about Miro on his offside. He told tonight, of course, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it's just been a perfect fit and it's only going to get better. It's cost control. It's cost effective. You know, if, if we didn't have that contract, you know, where would it be cap space wise? And, oh. and that's, that, that's probably worth an article right there. I, I probably need to do a, do a cap article here at some point, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always good, been good stuff for, good stuff for Neil. Yeah, because he's Nil has, has for for any there there are complaints there are valid complaints but I will I will go to the mattresses for Jim Nil's ability to manage the salary cap as GM of the Dallas Stars he's always he's always found a way to to do that one proper. Yep. Hey, anything else? Anything else interesting going on? Are you ready for a homestand? I'm ready for a homestand. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. They were saying post game that that Wedgwood didn't end up having to go to a hospital. He was being evaluated by medical staff in the building. So there's there's some hope that he of course left the game about midway through, tweaked his back, ended up having scary stuff, ended up having to be removed, you know, non-contact back injury, had to leave the ice on a stretcher. But they're saying that the stretcher was just kind of one of those abundance of caution things. Um, he didn't have to go to so, you know, on a on a human level obviously you want him to be okay on a athlete athletic level he's been a very good backup goaltender for the dallas stars so they need him to be okay in a lot of ways and you know we talked about the cap right this is a team that doesn't necessarily have the flexibility to call up anton hudobin so there's (laughs) you you hope that he is okay for a lot of reasons and um yeah and then yep. the other thing I'll say is we talked the the other bit on my mind. Sorry, I'll I'll pause if there's any Wedgwood related comments you'd like to make. No, I I think you hit it all on the head. So then the other thing on my mind is this is this is going to be a big and interesting week. So um you know Dallas is about they've got the homestand coming up. Their next game is against the New York Islanders, who after some early kind of drama are, are now quite good. They're eight and two in their last 10. So that's going to be that Saturday. That's, that's a big game. They've got Colorado. Now, now the Avs have sort of struggled a bit, right? But Hey, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And and they still have some superfluous talent, right? Kale McCarr and, and and notably as, as a foil to um, our own Miro. And and there's a lot there. They're seven, three and O in their last 10. So that's, that's another good squad. They'll get a little bit of a breather, against Chicago and then they'll get a chance to make amends for a fairly flat showing against Edmonton in a back-to-back Edmonton and then Colorado again. Um, so this coming week, right, starting on Saturday, Saturday through really Saturday through Saturdays, we're going to get a really good sense of where this stars team is in terms of, of their competitiveness when, you know, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag, right? So they, they beat the brakes off of the Kings. They beat the brakes off of the Coyotes. They beat the brakes off the Oilers. Then they, they kind of, fell flat against the Jets, dropped a woebegone five to four decision against the Sharks, recovered against the Flyers. I would argue they played mostly okay, but a smarter team beats the 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 Lightning on on Tuesday and then beat the Panthers tonight. So we've we've got a little defining stretch, some early dis, early season defining stretch action coming up. Yeah, yeah, you know, five games in eight days after coming on the road. Um 
it's a, it's pretty vital. Um, and you know, it's actually there's what it's it's six games in ten days if if you add in going back to back to St. Louis to end the month. So yeah, and a lot of lot of Central Division matchups. Um, teams mostly healthy. Hope you know, fingers crossed on Wedgwood uh, because we you know it'd be wonderful to have him in net for a couple of those games. Yeah. And then the thing that stands out to me, right, is just just looking at the standings. So, you know, we mentioned they play the, the Avs and the Jets, right? So Dallas has 22 points through 17 games. They are four points up on both the Jets and the Avalanche. However, the Jets have three games in hand against the Stars. The Avalanche have two games in hand against the Stars. So those, you know, circle the, the calendar. Those two games next week, or I guess three games because they play Colorado twice, those are the kind of decisions that that you know we talk about. They're in a great position right now. This is a really good moment for Dallas to to start banking some points, building some padding, extending their level of comfort in the Western Conference, right? And so it's it's a good good test for the team. As I've said it before, I'll say it again. I suppose. Yeah, and they're you know they're they're four point games, a lot of them. And, uh, you know, you, you, you built up all this goodwill by playing so much on the road early season. And now you get a little home, home cooking and you can't just squander it. Yep. So, you gotta make the best. Anyway, of it. speaking It'll of home be- cooking, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't eat too much. Same to you. Have a great one. Um, KT, you as well. Everyone out in listener land. Don't forget before you slip into your your turkey related comas to download and and like the podcast. Um, we will connect again after this really fun stretch of games, and we'll we'll see if we still like where we're at in a week, Mark. I, I'm I'm I got my fingers crossed that we can keep Jordy Ben up the up the scoreboard so I can keep my perfect perfect streak rolling. The perfect prediction. I love it. Well, thanks <laughs> thanks for this, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch y'all next time. <laughs>